0: Thanks John. Good to see you church. For those of you who weren't able to make it last week and this is your first Sunday here, welcome and I hope you're enjoying the air conditioning on this really warm Sunday morning and it's good to be back together again at 10 a.m. as well and um, if you could open your Bibles please to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read the scripture that we were reading last week. And it's sort of a part two of the message from last week. I was talking about last week, the compassion of Christ. And this week we're going to look at the compassion of Christ's church. So the compassion of Christ was last week. The compassion of Christ's church is this week. From Matthew chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in verse 35. So read God's word together with me, please. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, one translation said, the multitudes. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Again, the title of the message this morning is The Compassion of Christ's Church. Let's pray together. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, Lord, we pray for your blessing on our time of hearing your word preached this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and illuminate the word of God and ignite it like a fire in our souls. Help us to hear your word, but to also be doers of it. And I pray you would touch our hearts and move our hearts today and transform our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Father, for sending your Son to come and die, for his body to be broken and his blood to be shed in order to atone for the transgressions of sinners. Sinners like me, who by your grace have repented of their sin and trusted in you. Lord, I pray if anybody here has not ever repented of their sin and trusted in you, that they would do so during this service and that they would be born again and saved for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the passage of Scripture that we just read highlights just the way that Jesus looked upon the crowds. He looked upon the multitudes. And when Jesus looked upon them, He had compassion for them. And one of the key points I want to highlight today is that the compassion of Christ... Should shine forth from Christ's church as well. The compassion of Christ should shine forth from Christ's church as well. One commentator on this passage says that Jesus is touched, he's touched with their wretched and helpless condition. We learn of Jesus' compassion for the lost sheep of Israel, which is highlighted here in Matthew 9, but also in Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus says this, Lament, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? In the midst of the hardness of heart of his people, Israel, the Lord says that this was my heart. I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. This was my heart towards you, even though you have chosen to despise and reject me. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And that compassion of the Lord Jesus doesn't stop. We see In Romans chapter 10, verse 21, the word of God saying this, but of Israel, he says, and listen to this, church, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You want to know what God's heart is? All day long he holds out his hands. What mercy, what compassion, what long-suffering, what patience. All day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This word compassion here in the original Greek in Matthew chapter 9, this word compassion means to be moved in the inward parts. Isn't that good? To be moved deeply. Deeply in the inward parts. To literally have, to have the gut yearn. It's a strong emotion. For the gut, the inward parts, were thought to be the seat of love and pity. And so this Greek word for moved with compassion means that Jesus was touched, He was moved in His inward parts. His, his gut yearned. For his people Israel, but also for the multitudes all around. And this is what compassion is it is a deep emotion internally, a yearning for the good of men, taking pity upon them for the glory of God. This is something that marks Jesus Christ and his very character and his nature. But we also see in the scriptures that the Lord calls us as his church to also likewise be clothed with compassion. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts, clothe yourself with compassion. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's important to note, brothers and sisters, that clothing ourselves with compassion is a command that we are all called to In the word it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that flows out and that we are all called to but so often it cuts so against the grain of our fallen nature as men and women I received a couple weeks ago when I gave a message I was talking about being a loving church and not being a judgy church you might have remembered that from the live stream Dale Martin sent me a meme and it, it, it made us laugh out loud when I read it. Dale just sent it and it said, so many people these days are too judgmental. I can tell just by looking at them. <laughs> I can tell just by looking at them. And that can so describe, so sadly, my nature and my sinful battle with the flesh that still even exists today. I I need this message. I need to be reminded of the call to clothe myself with compassion, a compassionate heart filled with kindness and humility, meekness and patience. And it's important to note how Different our culture is brothers and sisters from a culture of compassion. Christ's church is to be a culture of compassionate hearts. But we live in a world where the opposite is the case and it always has been the case and it is the case today. The world today is more defined by sinful outrage anger, disgust. As Colossians 3.1 says, they set their minds on the things of the earth, whereas we are called as the people of God to set our minds on things above where Christ is seated. So we are called to be different from the world around us. Our church culture here individually as Christ Community Church is to be a culture of compassionate hearts and We should be distinct from the world around us where the world can see a difference because we have the spirit of Jesus Christ and we walk in the power of the spirit of Christ. Now there could be a misconception about compassion that to be compassionate means that you're going to be wishy-washy in relation to the truth. And I think that that's severing that if you're compassionate, you're not going to be a truth guy or a truth woman of God, is absolutely a lie from the enemy. Just because you're compassionate and obeying Scripture does not mean that you're not going to stand for truth against the world. Just because Jesus had compassion for the world didn't mean that he didn't speak the truth to the world. It is possible, brothers and sisters, to be lion-hearted and related in relating to standing for the truth and yet be compassionate hearted in sharing it with others. It's possible to stand for truth and even to protest against injustice. But the difference in Christians is we are called to do it with compassion driving and fueling even our righteous stands for the truth. We do it with compassion. We do it with a spirit of praying even for our enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So our hearts are meant to be different from the world around us. And one of the things that can check our spirit to make sure that we're motivated by a true spirit of compassion is when we think and when we speak are we truly sharing for the glory of God and for the good of others for their souls if we are truly speaking and thinking and doing for the glory of God and also for the good of men and women's souls then we won't go far wrong when we speak the truth to them because we will be motivated by the Spirit of Christ and the compassion of Christ. But brothers and sisters, if we are sharing, which can be my temptation at times, if I'm sharing for the self-satisfaction of having speak my own mind, getting something off my chest, feeling good about myself, or for winning an argument against someone, that it's better to check myself and sit on it and wait and pray. And maybe I'll share that thing even later, but after the Holy Spirit has come and sanctified me and brought my heart into a place of a Christ-like compassion for others. It's better to do that. It's better to be patient and wait than to speak out of a high minded, haughty, wise in my own eyes pride that can do more damage than good for the cause of Christ. I can congratulate myself all I want that I'm a truth teller and I'm speaking the truth and I'm laying it down, calling it like it is. But if, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I have not love, I am nothing. Psalm 4, verse 4, commands us as God's people, be angry and do not sin. And then it says this amazing phrase. This isn't in the corresponding text in Ephesians chapter 4, which also says, be angry and do not sin. Psalm 4, verse 4 has an amazing second half to it. Be angry and do not sin, Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. In James 1, we hear to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Well, here we see in Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, that it's possible to be righteously angry. And I believe that true Christians will be righteously angry over things that do not please or glorify God. I want that righteous anger to be first directed at my own heart and my own life where my own life is not in concordance with the Word of God. I want to be more outraged by my own sins than I am angry towards the sins of the culture or the sins of unbelievers or the sins... Of believers that I disagree with but it's possible to be righteously angry and I believe the true Christians will be righteously angry over things that don't please or glorify God but you see that focus it's I'm angry over things that don't please or glorify God and my concern in that is for God and his cause of truth and not out of my own personal annoyances or personal self-righteous disgust towards the sins of others or blindnesses of other people. If I sense that that is there in my soul, again, brothers and sisters, better to wait before I speak and to instead obey Scripture and ponder in my own heart on my bed and be silent than to be hasty in speaking and dishonor the Lord because we may even speak the truth, but we don't speak the truth in a Christ-like, compassionate way. Better to repent and get my heart right and to pray and then speak because it's so easy To look and see sinners and be repulsed by them and look at them as nuisances, opponents, obstacles to overcome rather than lost sinners in need of Jesus Christ. I've been thinking lately of even governmental leaders who it seems by all appearances at times are motivated by their own personal love of power and not acting for the good and the welfare of people. And if I'm not careful, I can become so outraged by that in my own soul, so disturbed, that I can forget that he or she is a lost sinner in need of Christ and in need of my prayers. And in need of compassion. And I think that if Satan can flush the compassion out of our souls and fill us with a fleshly outrage and self-righteous disgust rather than us being filled with a Christ-like compassion to see the lost saved if he can replace a christ-like compassion in us with even an outrage in our souls that's more from the flesh then i think what can often happen is the enemy can distract us from what is most important which is to pray for the good of even our enemies souls even as we stand for the truth to preach the gospel to them as a sinner who's been saved by grace to compassionately look upon them even in their sin and to take pity on them like Jesus did brothers and sisters in Christ that is our call and it's so easy to begin to slip away from a Christ-like, compassionate heart, and to begin to walk without compassion. As we look out on the multitudes in the world, and we look out on the sinners in culture, and we look out, we no longer look, if we're not careful, with eyes of compassion and grace we start to become increasingly more and more judgmental. And yes, we can often be blind to this. I can be blind to this. One of the burdens I've got is for us as a local church. I believe this is from the Spirit of God for us to be different and to be distinct for people to know that we're christians by our love for one another but also that they would see in us a lion-hearted zeal for standing for the truth of god's word but compassionate tender hearts that will represent the spirit of christ as jesus looked even upon his enemies with that kind of compassion. And even when Jesus Christ was overturning tables in the temple, He's on His way to die on the cross for those very sins. So, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your bed and be silent. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Let our prayers for the lost and our proclamation of the gospel to the lost be what marks us. Let our eyes and our hearts and our conversations with our family, our spouse, our close friends, let it be that the compassion of Christ is clear in our fellowship as we talk about these things. Let's shine like lights in this world. Because as Charles Spurgeon said, unbelievers won't read their bibles and they don't read the bible they read christians and i want to ask what do unbelievers read when they read me i i want them to read matthew chapter 9 35 through 38 i want them to see a man who is so amazed that god has saved him by his grace that i can't help but overflow with compassion and hope for even the the, the sinner who has just plunged himself or herself so far away from God. I want to have a word of compassion. A word of hope. Because Christ has been so compassionate toward me. He has reached down and delivered this sinner from the pit. And I want to commit my life to leaning over and doing everything I can to reach down with eyes of compassion and arms of compassion to preach the gospel to the lost that they might be saved as well and i'm just aware brothers and sisters if if satan can distract me with feelings of outrage against the lost then i might not be inclined to preach jesus compassionately to the lost i could be so angry with them that i've lost a burden to share the gospel with them they're lost they are lost The only thing that can do is sin. And there might be some sinners out there that are more polished than other sinners, but they're lost and in need of Jesus. All of them are. And our hearts are to be moved and yearning to see a desire for the good of their souls. And what a difference compassion can make. So let let us allow ourselves to be moved in our inward parts. I've, I've heard it said, well, you know what, I'm just not a compassionate person. Brothers and sisters, it's important to note that compassion is not a personality type. It's something we all are called to as God's people. It's a command in Scripture. One Christian says, if you really want to be like Jesus, be the one who stays when everyone else walks away. Be the one who forgives, even when it is undeserved. Be the one to show grace when everyone else is casting stones. Be the one to show love, even when they betray you. Because that is who Jesus is. Les Miserables, my... I love that musical. My wife Shannon and I got a chance to take our daughter to see Les Mis in New York last year for her graduation present. It was a wonderful time. One of my favorite parts of the musical was when Jean Valjean, a hardened sinner, bitter in soul from being kept in prison for years over stealing a crust of bread because his loved ones were starving, is now free and is shown hospitality from a priest who feeds him and gives him refreshment and rest. And Valjean flees away in the night after having stolen the silver from the church. Well, the police catch Jean Valjean and they bring him back to the priest. The silver's in his sack. And his life as a free man is over if the priest confirms that he in fact stole the silver. And instead, the priest gives him the silver candlesticks on the table as well telling valjean that you forgot to take these also when you left and after the police let him go and they leave the premises the priest urges valjean on to a different life one claimed by god above and the song in the musical at that moment is so powerful what is So clear is it it's the compassion of the priest to this hardened, sinful man beat up by life that changed his life. I can't see that scene or hear that song without choking up and crying because that's the way God has been with us. He's not treated any of us as our sins deserve and so therefore we never want to treat the sins of others the way they deserve. Valjean becomes a transformed good man and keeps, he keeps the candlesticks the priest gave to him for the rest of his life. He didn't sell those for money. He kept the candlestick as a reminder of the compassion that was shown to him by God through the priest. Compassion has so much power because, brothers and sisters, it's so rare. It's shocking when compassion's on display. And it ought not to be. It ought to be our native spirit as Christians. But it's so kind of God that in the midst of the struggle with our flesh that He's compassionate for how slow I am to change. Compassion stands out. It shocks the world. I love that in Tolkien's The Hobbit, which my son Blair just finished today, that of all the warriors wielding swords, it's actually the compassion and pity of Bilbo when he had a chance to strike Gollum down with no one looking. It's the compassion and pity of one small hobbit that saved the world. I believe Tolkien showing that there's a power in pity and in compassion that needs to be harnessed. And brothers and sisters, I'm just aware in my own nature if I'm not careful, I can begin to respond to the sins and many blindnesses of people who are lost and even people who are professing believers with flesh rather than spirit of god rather than with compassion instead of loving my brothers and sisters in christ with christ-like compassion we can begin to spend our time biting and devouring one another as galatians chapter 5 says if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another romans 12 says let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor do you see this culture of grace of compassion of love bless those who persecute you romans 12 says Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Words of love, words of brotherly affection, words of honor, overcome evil with good. This is to be the M.O., Of God's holy people. If we become consumed with engaging the world on the world's level and with the weapons of the world, rather than being filled with compassion toward the lost, toward the ignorant, toward the blind, toward those in need of compassion, then we can misrepresent Christ. What good is it to win an argument if we lose our brother or our sister because of our unchrist-like attitude in winning the argument? What good is it to outreason the lost and expose the foolishness and error of their positions if we fail to compassionately proclaim Jesus to them in the spirit of Jesus? Let us not meet outrage with outrage. Let's meet outrage with compassion. Let's not meet sin with sin or evil with evil, but let us overcome evil with good. And let it be that we speak the truth in love and let our conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt as the Scriptures command us. Let it be that the unbelievers who come into our midst in our local church family in the days, weeks, and months ahead, and I'm excited for July 12th for good news club families around this area to be invited into our church service looking forward to July 12th we'll be able to get our bearings here for a few weeks and then let the guests come in when they come in let the guests see that we are a compassionate group of Christians let them say oh look at how they love one another look at how they shine with Christ-like compassion think of the difference you can make if you were to commit your life to being compassionate toward everyone I want to share this story with you it's called Kyle's friend one day when I was a freshman in high school I saw a kid from my class was walking home from school his name was Kyle it looked like he was carrying all of his books and I thought to myself why would anyone bring home all his books on a Friday he must really be a nerd I had quite a weekend planned, parties and a football game with my friends tomorrow afternoon. So I shrugged my shoulders and I went on. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running toward him. They ran at him, knocking all of his books out of his arms and tripping him so he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. Uh, so young people ponder this story and the difference your compassionate heart can make in the lives of those around you so i jogged over to him and as he crawled around looking for his glasses glasses i saw a tear in his eye as i handed him his glasses i said those guys are jerks they really should get lives and he looked at me and said hey thanks there was a big smile on his face it was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude I helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived. As it turned out, he lived near me, so I asked him why I had not seen him before. He said he had gone to a private school before now. I I would have never hung out with a private school kid before. We talked all the way home, and I carried some of his books. He turned out to be a pretty cool kid. I asked him if he wanted to play a little football with my friends, and he said yes. We hung out all weekend, and the more I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him, and my friends thought the same of him. Monday morning came and there was Kyle with a huge stack of books again. I stopped him and said, boy, you're really going to build some serious muscles with this pile of books every day. And he just laughed and handed me half the books. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to think about college. Kyle decided on Georgetown. I was going to Duke. I knew that we would always be friends, that the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor and I was going for business on a football scholarship kyle was valedictorian of our class i teased him all the time about being a nerd he had to prepare a speech for graduation i was so glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak graduation day i saw kyle he looked great He was one of those guys that really found himself during high school he filled out and actually looked good in glasses he had more dates than i had and all the girls loved him boy sometimes i was jealous he says Today was one of those days. I could see that he was nervous about his speech. So I smacked him on the back and I said, hey big guy, you'll be great. And he looked at me with one of those looks, the really grateful one, and smiled. Thanks, he said. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began, graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. And I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story the first, of the first day that we met. He had planned to kill himself over the weekend. And he talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mom wouldn't have to do it later and was carrying his stuff home. And he looked hard at me and he gave me a little smile. Thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gasp go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Never underestimate The power of your actions with one small gesture you can change a person's life for better or for worse God puts us all in each other's lives to impact one another in some way look for God in others we don't realize the difference that one small act of compassion that we even forget about can make in the life of somebody we have no idea where people are at one warm kind glance could open up a gospel opportunity that changes somebody's soul forever one small hello to somebody could open up a conversation that could lead to somebody being born again in christ and saved i want to just close with this story from scripture Remember in Acts chapter 7, the story of Stephen. We know that Stephen, after he boldly proclaimed the gospel to a group of Pharisees and teachers of the law, amongst whom was an unconverted Saul, their reaction when they heard the gospel from Stephen was this now when they heard these things they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him but he speaking of stephen full of the holy spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god and he said behold i see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of god but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him then they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named saul And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Do you remember what he said? His last words? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen sets such an example to every single one of us in this room who are believers in Jesus Christ. Let it be that our last words and our words of every day, our everyday words, are words filled with spirit-filled compassion, Christ-like compassion. May God give us all grace, church, to repent of where we fall short in this every day. And I include myself in on this. Let's give thanks to God for His shed blood on the cross that we remember during communion and His broken body which was broken for our transgressions in this regard. But after having preached the truth of Christ boldly, without compromise, and with great courage, Stephen was being stoned to death by an enraged mob And what he has on his mind by way of prayer toward them is, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And I want to just give this happy thought and then we're going to wrap up and close. Ponder this. This may have been the prayer of compassion that was the means of grace God used to save the Apostle Paul, who took the Gospel to the nations. A prayer of compassion, whispered up by a dying believer, who was being sinned against in that very moment, may have been the means of grace for us having humanly speaking a quarter of our new testament with all the pauline epistles and the word of god that we treasure so much we do not understand the power of a compassionate christ-like heart on this world church the world so desperately needs to see this what do they see typically out of professing believers whether it be out of word or deed online on social media so often christians professing believers sometimes can be the worst in relation to not displaying a compassionate christ-like heart of humility christ community may it be different amongst us for the glory of god that many lost sinners might see christ in us and be drawn to the spirit of christ in us And see Jesus and His dying love for them. Because we know who Stephen the martyr got that last prayer from. From our Savior, who even as He was hanging up on the cross dying for your sins and mine, said to His Father, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Compassion. The compassion of christ saved every one of us in here let's give him praise tom if you can return lord i thank you and i pray that we would be moved by your compassionate heart but as we meditate christ on your compassion help us also to see manifest out of our local church's life more and more and more, and out of our individual Christian lives, a spirit of compassion. God, I pray that we would be compassionate towards our spouse, that we'd be compassionate toward our children and our children's struggles, that we would be compassionate towards our loved ones, our neighbors, unbelievers in the culture, unbelieving family members, May they see something different in us for your glory and for your namesake. Amen. Love you, church. Let's, let's all stand and worship Him, our compassionate God. My, uh, my wife Shannon uh, purchased a, a piece of art, a work of art that we have in our hallway, and there's a quote that I get to see every day, thanks to this quote that she embodies, it sets an example for me every day, In it says, pray to have eyes that see the best in people, a heart that forgives the worst, a mind that forgets the bad and a soul that never loses faith in God. Isn't that beautiful? Church, let's just spend just a moment in silent prayer together as Tom plays for us. And let's ask God to empower us by the Spirit to clothe us with compassionate hearts for the glory of Christ. Let's pray that God would make this a real strength in each and every one of us for His glory. Lord, I pray that You would give us eyes to see the best in people, a heart that forgives the worst, and a mind that forgets the bad, and a soul that never loses faith in You. Lord, in the midst of this dry and weary land where there's no water, would you please use us, Christ Community Church, as a fountain and a refreshing spring for your glory. A spring of compassion, Lord, let this be prophetic. A spring of compassion, Lord God, where the mist flows and refreshes weary souls and they're led to Jesus. They're saved by you, Jesus, and their souls are forever transformed from darkness and to children of light who will be born again and enjoy heaven together with us forever. Almighty God, use us powerfully to be a church of compassion that it might radiate out from our midst for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, thank you. Good to see you. I hope you have a wonderful week. Enjoy your time of fellowship. God bless you.